Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Obviously a big day yesterday for the United States. Folks, this is important. I want to make, I'm going to get this out early and often in the show. We killed an international terrorist last night who was an animal. He was an enemy and a savage, an enemy of the United States in every respect. We did not ask for this. I want to get to that. I've got a lot more. I've got some news about, sadly, um, John McCain as well, and maybe his role in the dissemination of the dossier and his staff. Again, I don't try not to ever speak ill of the dead, and that's not my intention, but information coming out about that. Also, uh, just a disturbing story about former FBI Director Andrew McCabe, who now we know more about his role in this whole Clinton email investigation in Spygate. Very disturbing yep. stuff. Again, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Yep. Producer Joe, how are you today? Well, Fine, sir. I'm doing real well after staying up late to listen to ourselves on uh, KABC yes. last night. Well, I'm usually in yes, bed by Yes, and then. thank you for the feedback. <laughs> we appreciate that on 790 KABC, where we can be heard on a, yeah. at 6 p.m. Pacific time, 790 KABC. We appreciate that. I'm glad you like that show all right let's get right to the show today hey. today's show brought to you by our buddies at quip quip makers of the quip electric toothbrush wants you to know that one single discovery that matters most for your dental care is this good habits good brushing habits it means brushing for two minutes twice a day and flossing regularly no matter what brand you use quip quip makes that simple starting with an electric toothbrush uh, refillable floss and anti-cavity toothpaste what more do you need Quip's electric brush has sensitive sonic vibrations with a built-in timer and 30-second pulses to guide a full and even clean. Paula, how much you like your new Quip? There you go. We have a nod in approval, in heavy approval. I have a Quip. She has a Quip. Everybody has a Quip in my house. Here's a Quip. There's a Quip. Everybody has a Quip because it's like a power washing for your mouth. And the Quip floss dispenser comes with pre-marked string to help you use just enough. No waste. Plus, Quip delivers fresh brush heads, floss, and toothpaste refills to your door every three months with free shipping, so your routine is always right, tight, and on time. Join over 3 million healthy mouths and get Quip today, starting at an astonishing $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash Dan right now, you'll get your first refill pack free. That's your first brush refill free at getquip.com slash Dan, spelled G-E-T, forget, Q-U-I-P for quip.com slash Dan. Get quip.com slash Dan. Quip, the good habits company. You'll love this toothbrush, the best one out there. All right, folks, let's go. Our second bell on the terrestrial airwaves. Excited to be here again, 790K BC. Welcome to the the party. As Bruce Willis said in Dyer, welcome to the party, pals. First story, (laughs) obviously, a... An enormous cataclysmic shift in U.S. foreign policy last night as President Trump makes the decision with our brave members of our United States military to take out animal savage uh, Soleimani, who ran the Quds Force in Iran. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll say what I said before and I'll say it again because it matters. We didn't ask for this. This is not a country that relishes war and We're not a country of warmongers. We're a country of peace-loving people who would love it if we lived in some form of utopia and everybody around the world felt the same way. Unfortunately, they don't. There are a number of people, animal savages, and a number, sadly, of countries led by animal savages who would like nothing more to see us dead, including the death to America Iranian crowd, of which Soleimani, Qasem Soleimani, head of the Quds Force, was a lead figure for 20 years. Two, zero. 20 years. This guy was washed in regional and U.S. blood in Lebanon, Bahrain, Iraq, Syria, Yemen. This guy was a monster. He was involved personally, personally, in making decisions that led to the deaths of hundreds, if not thousands of U.S. soldiers and potentially tens of thousands of people, if not more, in the regions I just addressed. President Trump last night made the bold decision to take him out at the airport. Have an article up at the Washington Examiner today. Decisive defensive action. Pentagon declares that U.S. killed Kasim Soleimani on Trump's orders by uh, by Russ Reed. Be up at the show notes at Bongino.com today. Check it out. Good piece. Ladies and gentlemen, the POTUS wasn't kidding. 
POTUS, of course, an acronym for President of the United States. President Trump wasn't messing around. Thank you. Now, sorry about that. Sometimes old Secret Service talk comes out. <laughs> but, folks, if you played this man for a fool, you grotesquely miscalculated. Bad move. Suleimani thought he'd get out of that Baghdad airport. No problem at all. You know why? Because he'd done it with impunity forever. Traveling around the region, initiating proxy wars, killing U.S. soldiers, giving orders to have U.S. soldiers killed, giving orders for assassinations on U.S. soil. Do you understand the savage this guy was? He miscalculated because President Trump was, as I've said often, about his foreign policy approach for people who mistake him for being an idiot. A big mistake, by the way. A mistake Soleimani made that he won't be making again, by the way. He is strategically patient. He didn't rush into Iran after they took out our drone. He didn't rush into Iran to start World War III. And ladies and gentlemen, let me be clear on this. A lot of you who listen to the show understand my approach to international conflict. I believe strongly in Fox Connors' rules of war. And I would actually interpret that as Fox Connor's rules of conflict as well. The great Fox Connor. You don't go to war alone. You don't go to war for long. And you don't go to war unless you absolutely have to. Fox Connor's rules of conflict. Ladies and gentlemen, I ask you, what other choice did we have? Suleimani was an animal savage who clearly was directly involved in the attack on our embassy in Iraq. He was in Iraq when we took him out. He was in Iraq, and that attack would have led to casualties if it wasn't for a vibrant response by President Trump. An energetic and forceful response, to say the least, to get 100 Marines on the ground, to get QRFs involved, quick reaction teams over there. You would have had another Benghazi on your hands, but we didn't because Barack Obama's not in charge. President Trump was. What other choice did we have? These attacks have been escalating dramatically in the region. We don't seek war in this country. This is a serious thing. It's not a joke. This isn't a Rambo movie. I get that. And everybody involved gets that too. These are real people and real lives involved. But Joe, they were real people and real uh, lives involved as well. When they were trying to storm the front gates of our embassy, they would have ripped those people out of there and killed them. You bet. What'd you think? That was a joke. That wasn't a Rambo movie either. That actually happened. You want to send some kind of a message that this isn't appropriate or you want to make them wear a dunce cap? I mean, what did you think the Iranians were going to listen to? More chatter and talk? There were more attacks ahead and there may be more ahead. But I'm going to get to some video by Geraldo. The minute I say that, some of you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Some of you saw it this morning on Fox and Friends. I, I debate Geraldo often, but I have to tell you, I've rarely been as furious with Geraldo Rivera as I was this morning on Fox and Friends. I'm going to play the clip in a minute. It's disturbing and troubling. His commentary, I think, was outlandish and outrageous. And if I get the chance to debate him, believe me, I'm going to say my say. But remember, we didn't ask for this. You did. Having said that, in the history of tweets that have, let's say, aged poorly, like an unfine wine and cheese left out in the Florida sun for months at a time. Ooh. Check out this tweet by Khomeini, spiritual leader of Iran. This is a tweet he sent out in response to Donald Trump just a few days ago after while the attack was going on. Quote, Khomeini. Talking about Trump. That guy has tweeted that we see Iran responsible for the events in Baghdad and we will respond to Iran. He says, first, this is Khomeini talking. You can't do anything. Well, that didn't work out too well, did it? No. Second, if you were logical, which you're not, you'd see that your crimes in Iraq and Afghanistan have made nations hate you. Yes, in the history and annals of tweets that have aged rather poorly, the Khomeini telling Trump he can't do anything line um, is probably going to go down in history as one of the dumbest tweets ever put across on a social media platform in the history of the Twitterverse. 
I guess he could do something. And I guess he did. We didn't ask for this. We don't want this. But if you continue to poke the bear, as I said last night on Fox and Friends, you better have the body bags and the morgue to chill your dead. Because this president is not messing around. And I wanted to say something different, but due to FCC rules, I have to be very careful. Which, dude? If there was ever a time for a New York City Queens expletive to be dropped in there, that was it. We don't want this. We didn't ask for this. Iran, you have every opportunity to walk away. Cut your losses now, please. Nobody wants this. Nobody. This is very serious. It's not a joke. It's not a movie. Nobody wants this. But I'm telling you, this will not end well. This will not end well for you. This will not end well for your political leaders. This will not end well for whatever you think your end goal is. You will never, ever reach that end zone. It will not happen. Now, showing you again how the media, you know, I I, I don't put memes up on the show because there's for all kinds of copyright reasons and things. And I hate memes, especially about serious things like war most of the time. Right. But one of them I saw this morning, it was meant to be, it's, none of this is really in any way humorous, but it made a point. There was a meme up this morning, and it's Donald Trump with a magic hat on. It said, my next magic trick will be getting the Democrats to defend Iran. And sure enough, we've seen that sadly emerge <laughs> along with their buddies, of course, the Democrats in the media. I mean, I just said the same thing twice. Now, remember the Washington Post? I'll get to their tweet in a second. When we killed Baghdadi, another animal savage who Conan the dog was braver than he was and chased him down the tunnel. You remember that? If you yeah. get to that headline yeah, yeah, in a minute. Yeah. So we kill this, this terrorist, Joe, Soleimani, a known international terrorist bathed in regional blood again for 20 years. And the Washington Post sends out this tweet with this absolutely bizarre but so typical of the Washington Post headline. Quote, Washington Post. Breaking. Airstrike at Baghdad Airport kills Iran's most revered military leader? Qasim Soleimani, Iraqi state television reports. What kind of crap is that? Yeah, uh, It's Washington Post crap, Joe. Dude, yeah. Uh, revered military leader? You mean the terrorist savage who's been ordering the deaths of innocent people for since 1998? Yeah, you bingo. mean that guy? Or probably yeah, earlier yeah. than that. That's just when he took over the goods for it. That's right. Yeah. Sorry, dude. No, no, no. That's you're not going to be sorry about. Remember this old gem by the Washington Post too. This headline when we killed Baghdadi. Joe, remember this one? Oh, Abu Bakr yes, al Baghdadi, austere yes, religious scholar at helm of Islamic State, dies at 48. Oh, my gosh. Ladies and gentlemen, I will ask you again what I've asked you before. What side is the American media on? I'm not kidding. It's not a joke. It's not a hyperbolic statement for effect. It is an actual inquiry into your brains. I'm asking you a real question. I expect, I'm expect i expecting you to ponder this as you're either sitting in your car or watching at home or watching us on YouTube or whatever you may be doing. What the hell? What side are they on? Baghdadi was an austere religious scholar. He was a terrorist. Soleimani was a trained international killer, savage terrorist, a revered military leader. Who the hell are you talking about? George Washington? Are you kidding me? Folks, the coverage got worse, shockingly. I debate Geraldo often. Sometimes we agree. Many times we disagree. Those of you who hear me on Fox at night, I usually do those debates uh, on the Hannity show, I'm trying to work on a debate now. We'll see what happens. But this was Geraldo on Fox and Friends this morning. And thank God, Brian Kilmeade, who I don't always agree with on foreign policy. I interviewed Brian Kilmeade myself. Brian's a close friend. And I told him we have disagreements on a lot of foreign policy. But thank God, Brian Kilmeade and Ainsley Earhart were there to shut some of this nonsense down. Now, this clip's a little long. It's a little over. We try not to play anything more than a minute. But this is where this is Geraldo, shockingly, who has an issue with President Trump taking out one of the world's number one terrorists. Amazing. Listen to this. 
Six months ago, Ainsley, this guy was our friend. Six months ago, he He's was our, our friend. Why he do you was, say he that? may have, we may not have loved him, but he was our ally in the fight against ISIS. Do you, you remember everybody? Do we remember ISIS? It's like ISIS never existed. ISIS was the had a caliphate. They were cutting right. people's heads but off. They, wait a second. They were burning Americans. We know who ISIS is. We know who ISIS is. Who but, helped us defeat ISIS? But, but, but this you, same guy, Soleimani. You, these you, same you, people, the Iranians. Excuses for Iran. They choose. Damn it! I'm not making an excuse. Let me, let me, let me, finish, let me finish. Can I get a sentence out? You say that they are suffering under sanctions. They're withering under sanctions. They still choose to take that money and spend it on Islamic Jihad, Hamas, and Hezbollah, not their people. To the point where those people rose up when they rose up gas prices and food prices, and they've been protesting in their streets when their gas prices went up because they know their government's wasting money We're on other terrorist We're forcing activities. their gas prices to no, come no, up they with crushing sanctions because, because, because they we pulled out of a deal that we had agreed to. We agreed to a deal. We, we pulled didn't out of pass it. it through our Senate and Congress because he couldn't. He didn't get Senator Schumer's vote on that or Ben Cardin's vote on that. We're supposed to your, digest your that. Your arrogance is exactly what's wrong with the region. My arrogance not you're agreeing with you, you think, is arrogant. You think because, not agreeing with you is not, arrogant. You're not a frontline fighter right. that has to go back into Iraq again. Right. You want I'm Americans not back the in Iraq? You just got killed because you they want, Ameri- you the want Americans back in Iraq? Right. Like, you, you have five thousand four hundred there. You want them to be I victims? Was, I was there when they were getting so, killed. So what does that mean? I was there when they were getting killed. Five, that six, mean? seven what a day. That mean? Is that what we want again? Responsible for killing Americans. They supported the whole insurgency. Why did we kill? They supported the whole insurgency. That's okay. This is a fraught decision. I, I don't even know what that was. Is he crazy? And to be fair, I'll confront him directly. Matter of fact, Paula had a great idea. We should try to get him on the podcast for an interview. But that is one of the most frightening pieces of audio video I have ever heard. Are you kidding me? Suleimani and the Iranians were our friends because in their efforts to keep Assad in power in Syria, they did some things with which may have aligned at some point some focus point in time with a different U.S. interest? Do you think the Iranians were our friends and were doing that for us? Are you nuts? The Iranians' number one goal has been and always will be and has been consistent since the fall of the Shah is death to America. They don't do anything because they're our friends. I mean, that was one of the most bizarre statements I have ever heard on television. And thank God Brian Kilmeade called him out on our friends. Understand this, folks. Everything the Iranians do, and Stanley McChrystal has a really excellent piece out. It's it's a little old. I saw it yesterday on Twitter. It's an older piece about Soleimani, but a good one nonetheless, where he describes how the difference in the United States is we have elections. We're not a despotic tyranny. Foreign policy, Joe, changes. It changes sometimes every four years, sometimes every eight of course, with different yeah. presidents. That's the way constitutional republics and democracies work. He says, that's not the way it works in Iran. They have been shockingly consistent since the fall of the Shah. And their consistent goal, Joe, has been death Death to to America. America. Do you not know this? Did you miss this? Everything they do, they don't do to align with our values. They do to destroy the United States and Israel while they're at it. And anyone who gets in their way. Because, you know, with uh, someone, I mean, it's like saying, you know, I own a bank, a guy robs it. And because before he robbed the bank, he filled up his car, his getaway car at a local gas station I support, that because we both support the gas station, that our goals were aligned. He robbed the bank. The fact that at some point they fought against people who are also our enemies doesn't mean they're our friends. That's not real politique. That's stupid politique. Oh, my gosh. All right, moving on. I spent a little more time on that than I planned. But, of course, a cataclysmic shift in the treatment of these people now by a president who finally has the cojones to stand up. All right, I want to get to John McCain in a minute. Some, again, interesting news coming out as the IG report comes out. But uh, something I've discussed in my two books, Spygate and Exonerated Often, that's always troubled me, which has been the Republican Party's role in the takedown of Donald Trump. All right. Today's show also brought to you by our buddies at GenuCell. GenuCell. We love GenuCell in this house. Go to GenuCell.com and or Dan30 at checkout for this special deal. What is GenuCell? Well, GenuCell is this 
it's a fantastic, I, I just, someone said to me yesterday, well, Dan, you look young. Well, thanks to Jenny. So we love Jenny. So my wife looks even younger. Ladies and gentlemen, the new year's inventory clearance sale from Chamonix is here for Jenny. So if you missed out on Jenny, Sell's outrageous Christmas sale, today's your lucky day. Imagine the double chin and Turkey neck. <laughs> yes. Joe hit the turkey neck. Gone with the famous GenuCell breakthrough jawline treatment with MDL technology. Right now, get the classic GenuCell for eye bags and puffiness absolutely free. Plus, GenuCell's immediate effects I use before I go on TV for results in 12 hours. Got a hot date? GenuCell's immediate effects for you. Got a party to go to? Immediate effects. Look 10, 15, even 20 years younger right before your eyes. Guaranteed or 100% of your money back. But your order today is even more special. Chamonix partnered with Women Rising to give the same exact package you get to a woman seeking support and assistance from domestic violence. Go to GenuCell.com and enter Dan30 at checkout. Your order today includes GenuCell XV anti-wrinkle treatment and will be upgraded to priority shipping for free. Order now and get a surprise gift just for ordering today. Order now at GenuCell, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com and use my special discount code Dan30. That's Dan30. Again, GenuCell.com, discount code, promo code Dan30, D-A-N-30. Three zero. Check that out today. Okay. So I saw this story at Breitbart by Aaron Klein, and uh, it's deeply troubling, folks. And I, I wanted to hit it quickly because, it, again, it revolves around uh, John McCain, God rest the man's soul. But Republicans, I want to be clear in this, were involved in the takedown of Donald Trump, too. Not Obviously not all of them, but a select group of people who hated Donald Trump. And us ignoring that does us no favors. Now, the fact that Democrats, here's the, the title of the article, by the way, Breitbart, again, will be up at the show notes. If you want us to email you the show notes every day for the best articles in the business, uh, just go to Bongino.com slash newsletter. Subscribe to our newsletter. I'll email you these articles. They're always up at BonginoReport.com as well, uh, our alternative to the Drudge Report. The title of the article is UK spy Christopher Steele claims John McCain aide leaked the P dossier to BuzzFeed. Now, folks, the fact that the Democrats use this as a talking point, which they do often, well, Republicans had a role in the funding of the dossier, which is false. That is not true should not stop us from seeking the truth and calling out people who may have been involved in the biggest political scandal in human history, period. End of story. I don't care what your party affiliation is. The Democrats funded the dossier that the Republicans were clearly involved, some Republicans, in an effort to gather information on Trump. The dossier was exclusively a Democrat endeavor, but the dissemination, it appears McCain and his team had a role in it. Got it. From this Breitbart piece, here's an interesting take from uh, the IG report that just came out. It's included in the piece. I encourage you to read it. Again, this is from the IG report. Christopher Steele told the OIG that he trusted the staff member. Now, the staff member he's talking about here is David Kramer, who was an associate of John McCain. So Steele told the IG, trusted this staff member to handle his reports, i.e. the dossier, discreetly, and that the staff member betrayed that trust. Steele explained that the staff member had spent his career handling sensitive intelligence. Steele also said he understood from a former ambassador that Senator McCain requested that Steele trust the staff member. Steele said he was absolutely flabbergasted when, Bub when BuzzFeed published his election reports. The unnamed McCain staff member, according to Klein, is known to be David Kramer, who's an associate of John McCain. Folks, again, McCain's defense to this he wrote in his own book again it's using mccain's words it's not mine i'm you know not intending to pile on here mccain's own words were the, the gist of it were i would do it again if i had to do this and kramer's defense and others has always been well we just wanted the dossier information investigated ladies and gentlemen i'm gonna ask you a simple question if they just wanted the information investigated then why not just give it to the fbi and walk away is it not a fair question, Joe, to ask if you just want to investigate why the hell did you give it to the press too? Absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, again, I know this disturbs some people, but folks, the truth is going to come out one day. And if this is in fact true, and again, it's Christopher Steele's word, who I don't trust as far as I could throw. But if Steele's story is accurate, and there have been a number of different reports indicating as much, that he left the dossier with this McCain associate who promptly took photos of it, the dossier. And according to this story, at least, may have had a role in getting it to BuzzFeed to publish. That eliminates the whole story that, oh, McCain and, and, uh, and Kramer were only doing this because they wanted the charges investigated for some patriotic mission. 
Clearly, they wanted the information out to embarrass and humiliate Donald Trump, despite the fact that it was all fake. The truth has to come out, folks. I'm sorry. I don't care who's involved in it, what your party affiliation is. This is the biggest scandal in American history, and to prevent it from happening again, everybody involved has got to be exposed, and daylight has to be at the end of this tunnel somewhere. Nobody should be protected here. Nobody. By the way, I got some stunning stuff this morning. I'm still trying to vet it. But if I get it, I can vet it appropriately. And I put this out there. This is going to blow some minds on the Spygate stuff. All right, moving on. Another story about this. Andrew McCabe, former deputy director of the FBI. Let me just put the lead out there first. They have a story at National Review about this today. Again, be in the show notes. Check this out. FBI investigators say McCabe apologized for lying about Clinton probe leak. Wait, 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 wait. Time out. Hold up. Remember that story? Hold up. Wait a minute. She even gave me the response. She used to hit the clubs. I was was more of a bar guy. Hold up. Wait a minute. So let's be clear. Andrew McCabe is now, I'm going to put up a snippet from this in a minute from the National Review piece. That's important. I want to read it to you because it's clear. Andrew McCabe, according to this story, admitted lying to the FBI and apologized for it. And yet is getting a pass. We've seen no law enforcement action against him yet. And yet Mike Flynn, Lieutenant General Mike Flynn, who the FBI acknowledged did not lie to them. They thought he wasn't being deceptive. Their quote, not mine, is now potentially looking at jail time and a prosecution and a sentencing for not lying. Folks, in what world do we live in where this is in any way fair? You tracking? Lead. McCabe, I admit lying and I'm sorry. No jail time for me. Lieutenant General Flynn, I didn't lie. FBI, I didn't lie. Flynn, jail time for you, buddy. Let me read to you what this development is, because this is astonishing. It's about the leak in the Clinton email investigation. Let me, before I get to, let me just give you a quick background on this. There was a leak about the existence of the Hillary Clinton email investigation that was attributed to Andrew McCabe. It was a leak that shouldn't have gone to the media about the status of the Clinton email investigation. What's shockingly awful about this is now we know, at least according to this report, that the leak to the media about the Clinton email investigation containing sensitive information came from McCabe, yet Joe, speaking to the awful character of the broken soul, Andrew McCabe, McCabe blamed the leak on people from the New York field office and others and had a conference call where he yelled at them. Yeah, I remember. I remember that. Yeah. Remember that? I do. Not only does this sleazeball leak the story, when it hits the paper, he reprimands people in field offices on a conference right. call for leaking the story. <laughs> right. He leaked. This is the spineless jellyfish this loser is. Hi, Andy. Back to National Review. So he gave. <laughs> totally missed that. Of course, as always. That's- Joe's always like, I get you hit this cue. I miss him all the time. <laughs> National Review. The FBI asks him. They ask him in an investigation about the leak. This is what they ask him, quote, I need to know from you, did you authorize this article? Were you aware of it? Did you authorize it? The FBI agent said he asked McCabe at the time. Quote, McCabe, this is during the uh, during the subsequent interview later on. He says, and as nice as could be, he said, yep. Yep, I did. McCabe said surprising the agents. The agent interviewing him said things had suddenly changed 180 degrees with this. One of the agents present recounted to the IG. Now he's admitting he leaked it. Wait, it goes on. It gets better because that's not exactly the answer he gave to the FBI when initially interviewed about the same link. He just said, yep, yep, I did it. Back to the National Review piece. When the agent showed McCabe the portion of his prior statement from the May interview, which stated, quote, this is McCabe. I do not know the identity of the source of the information contained in the article. I gave no authority to share any information relative to my interaction interaction with DOJ, uh, with the DOJ executive, with any member of the media. McCabe replied he didn't even remember seeing this before. In other words, the agent's telling him, really? You don't remember saying that? Here's McCabe's response. Uh, the, uh, the agent says to him, hey, uh, Andy, I said we sent this to you at least three or more times. 
the agent tells McCabe. And an email record mentioned in the transcript shows the statement was emailed to McCabe on May 12th, 2017. McCabe's explanation? Well, there was a lot going on. Not only does he lie in May and say he doesn't know about the leak, the leak that he did, he lies about it. They confront him two to three times via email saying, are you absolutely sure, Andy? You sure? Hi, Andy. You sure? Hi, you sure? That's exactly yeah. how they opened up. Hi, are you sure? <laughs> you don't know yeah. who authorized this leak. They email. He lies again. Doesn't say it. Lies by omission at this point after lying initially. And now finally comes back in a later interview, which is recounted in the IG report, where he tells the FBI, okay, I authorized the leak. Yeah, no jail time for McCabe. Now, in the interest of not being preemptive and getting out ahead of the story, there's a small, small, infinitesimally small, like that, infinitesimally small possibility that McCabe may be cooperating, and therefore that's why he wasn't charged with lying to the FBI. The same crime Mike Flynn was charged with, despite not actually lying to the FBI. Small. Yeah. I don't, I'm not sure any of that's true. I'm just saying, because I, again, we do facts. This isn't a liberal show. We actually focus on facts, data, and sound analysis other than stupidity, ideology, and media hackery. Doesn't seem too trustworthy. There is a small possibility yeah. he's cooperating. Yeah. Small. Uh, Very small. I'm just saying. All right, moving on. Great, great article by Lee Smith, author of the book, The Plot, uh, the, the Plot Against the President. It's a really good book, though. I like I'm enjoying it. I'm almost done with it. Lee Smith has a piece up in the spectator. That's a must to check out. Up in the show notes. Please read this in the show notes. Piece is entitled The Crime Still in Progress. The Russia Gate whistleblowers have blown their cover. Now it's a short piece worth your time. Lee gets Lee writes in a lot of different places and his stuff is always good. Folks, the gist of the piece is this, as I've said to you often, and Lee has been a big proponent of this as well. These Spygate conspirators use the media to seed the media and the general public with fake news stories that the collusion hoax was real. None of that. Yeah, none of that's a mystery to you. They've just planted fake stories from Fusion GPS. And one of the storylines of Lee's book, The Plot Against the President, is that newsrooms across America have been cutting budgets for a long time. Not to get in a big, long-winded explanation of newsrooms, but this is important. Newsrooms have been cutting budgets for a long time, Joe. Subscriptions have gone down. The media business yeah. has been very, it's been basically dismantled and, and, and it's become granular now. Yeah, People can well go known. to Twitter and yeah. get news in a minute for free. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. They're not going to go to the store to buy the Washington Post. Just read Twitter. Read the Bongino report. Wink it or not. Every day you'll get the information for uh -huh. free. So, what was one of the first things to go as these media enterprises lost their subscription bases and lost money? They're foreign newsrooms, folks. They're expensive. To keep an office overseas, constant travel and reporting from overseas is very, very expensive. Therefore, newsrooms, it's a great take by Smith. He was in this environment, so he knows better than anyone. Foreign newsrooms, when they disappeared, they still had to report on foreign events. So what better way to get your stories about foreign events, Joe, than to go to places like Fusion GPS, paid political operatives, former journalists, allegedly mm. Glenn Simpson, and get the news for free. The problem is these media people sucked it up, did no vetting on it, put it out there. They were part and parcel to the whole collusion hoax because they kept the collusion hoax going despite the fact there was no evidence whatsoever that it was real. It was fake. It was fake news. So Lee Smith writes his piece here. And in the piece at the end, he brings up an interesting point, how Glenn Simpson's new book, is basically almost like hostage-taking right now. It's one of those, we have your namesakes. Let me quote from the piece, and I'll explain. Team Collusion's strategy is to keep feeding exculpatory fan fiction into the news cycle so as to discredit the Inspector General's report and John Durham's investigation as politicized attacks on upright public servants. Selling this narrative requires union cohesion. Okay, here's the setup with Lee. All right. Fusion GPS knows they made up the collusion hoax. They fully understand this. Everything is a hoax and is about to fall apart. 
to maintain some sense of professional dignity. They need to keep the hoax going and act like the IG report that exposed the hoax, the one we just cited in the McCain story and the yeah. McCabe story, that it, that it blew out this whole... They need to discredit that right. because they need to keep their professional reputations fusion GPS as they're feeding these foreign uh, policy newsrooms. The Durham report is going to expose them. The IG report exposed them. And even the Mueller report exposed Fusion GPS as idiots. They made this up. Now, they know this is all going to come out, but they need the media, what Lee Smith calls unit cohesion. They need the media to stay actively engaged here and keep repeating the myth. And they need the media to attack Durham and Barr to make it out like they were on the good side here, Fusion GPS and everything uh, being exposed by them is all political nonsense. You get it? So Lee Smith goes on. And how do they do that? How can you keep the media propagating a known hoax, Joe? Well, quote, to enforce it, Glenn Simpson and Frisch, who are obviously the Fusion GPS owners who wrote the book, They populate their book with the names of some of the more expendable journalists who use their product. Oh, this is genius. And genius in a devious kind of sick way. The identities of the dozens of other Fusion GPS delivery mechanisms at many major media brands like NBC, Politico, CNN, The Washington Post, and The Times will continue to be protected so long as they don't break ranks. Oh, Oh gosh, these people are so devious. Listen, right, you, Joe. Yeah, you see where we're going with this, oh, right? Oh, big time! Brilliant by Smith. Yeah. So in the book, Glenn Simpson and Peter Frisch just wrote about how their 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 nonsense investigation into Trump and the dossier and the PP tape and all that other garbage. They litter the book with some of the lesser known expendable journalists in kind of like a semi hostage taking endeavor. In other words, saying, "Hey, look, we outed these guys. We gave them the information." Washington Post and New York okay. Times people who we gave information to as well because your newsrooms closed down and you went to us instead of doing actual journalism. Your names are coming out next if you dare, dare break ranks and don't engage in what Lee Smith calls unit cohesion and keep the collusion hoax going. Brilliant. In a sick, devious Glenn Simpson, Peter Frisch kind of way. Diabolical, yeah. Uh, is probably a better term. Yeah. Like in a Skeletor He-Man kind of way. I'm your (laughs) He-Man. Remember that cartoon? Masters of the Universe. I love that growing up. I always out myself. Yeah, it was so great. Folks, read the article by Lee Smith. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's worth your time. Check it out. All right, I got a lot more to get through. Hey, just a quick one here. Story up at Bongino.com, written by our resident fact-checker-in-chief, Mac Palumbo, who debunks liberal myths left and right. So 2019 was a big year, Joe, not for anything, uh, you know, in the media that would even be remotely considered positive (laughs) or beneficial for society. It was a banner year for fake news. (laughs) Yes. So Matt put together a list. The title is called of the piece, the list. The media has pushed at least 109 fake stories about Trump. Again, up at Bongino.com in the show notes today. Check this out. I'm just going to address a few because you may have forgotten these gems as the calendar turns over into 2020 in a new decade. You may have forgotten these sparkly pieces of mm, mm, that the media tried to pump into your cerebral cortex in 2019. I'm not going to read the whole thing. We're just going to get to a couple. Remember the story, October of 2016, the New York Times and the other media outlets suggested or implied that Trump had not paid income taxes for 18 yeah. years? Yeah. Remember that one? Yes. And then later, tax return pages leaked to MSNBC ultimately showed that Trump actually paid a higher tax rate than Democrats, Bernie Sanders, and Barack Obama. Remember that, <laughs> doozy? Remember February 2nd of 2017? When TMZ reported that Trump changed the name of Black History Month to African American History Month, implying that the change was racist. In fact, Presidents Obama, George Bush, and Clinton had all previously called Black History Month African American History Month. (laughs) They left that part out. Remember another February 2017 gem where the New York Times' Michael Schmidt, Mark Mazzotti, and Matt Apuzzo reported about supposed contacts between Trump campaign staff and senior Russian intelligence officials. Even the hapless Jim Comey later testified, in the main, the article was not true. Even Comey 
the biggest spineless jellyfish in this whole debacle had to say, that one's kind of BS. Here's the last one. June 4th, 2017, NBC News reported a tweet that Putin told TV host Megyn Kelly that he had compromising information about Trump. Actually, Joe, Putin said the opposite. They missed a word in there that he did not have compromising information on Trump. <laughs> the not is a big miss. Yes. It's a big, big miss. You know where I'm, I think you know where I'm going. Remember our story, Joe? Yes. That Paul is shaking her. Remember our story about the, the whistleblower? <laughs> where they, the whistleblower yeah. story at yeah, ON, yeah. Uh, the Office of Net Assessments? Yeah. There was a whistleblower involved. Oh, yeah. And they said that he disclosed classified information to embarrass him in a report that leaked. I believe it was from, right. uh, was it NCIS? And the actual quote was, he did not disclose classified information. The not's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of a big it's like saying omission. in a confession, yeah. Joe, Yeah, did you rob that bank we discussed earlier in the show? Joe says, I did not rob you that bank. Rob that damn and bank. And they leave it out and go in front of the judge. Joe said, I did rob the bank. The not is kind of a big deal. They're lying. The judge is like, guilty. They're lying. How do you miss the not? Not K-N-O-T. How do you miss the not? Of course, when you specialize in fake news, the not is irrelevant because your whole purpose is to make the president look bad. Yeah. President Putin, I do not have classified information on Trump. NBC News, Putin says he has classified information on Trump. <laughs> Shockingly, Joe, we may actually get through all these stories today. This is, all right. we've been on a roll. Yeah, you've been doing good with this, man. You've been, you've been hitting yeah, the you marks. You know me. I usually have eight yeah. to ten stories. I over-prepare for this show, and I Man. rarely get to all this stuff. It drives me crazy. <laughs> we may get through this. What's that? What? Why are you shaking your head? What? Oh, yeah, it drives Paula crazy, she's saying. Because Paula, <laughs> and you got to keep flipping yeah. screens around. If you want to watch us, by the way, on YouTube, youtube.com slash Bongino. That's Paula throwing up all those yeah. screen effects in the background. YouTube.com slash Bongino. Please subscribe. We're trying to get to 400,000 subscribers. We're almost there. But yeah, that's uh, Paula in the background who puts up those lovely screen effects. People love that. Okay, uh, another great article in The Spectator. I, I, I was going to address this because it's Friday. Uh, it's interview day for us as well. So for those of you who want to tune in later, we will have our interview. With, a lot of people have been asking about the interview with Rudy Giuliani. Right. That's this week. That's today. We will be doing that at four o'clock. This is going to be a good one. I want to talk about Spygate, Rudy's information he has on Ukraine and the corruption over there. Don't miss that. We'll be taping it at four o'clock today. It'll be out Saturday, tomorrow, hopefully sometime in the morning on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Bongino, and on our audio podcast at Apple Podcasts. Don't miss that. But being that it's Friday, I wanted to address sign of some kind of some good news as well so you don't go into the weekend with a dour, what is this, is that a Debbie Downer episode kind of a mood. So here's a story up at the American Spectator. And I saw this morning. It's really great, worth your time. We'll put it up at BonginoReport.com as well. It's by Matt Ridley. And the title of the article is, We've Just Had the Best Decade in Human History. Seriously. Little is made of this in the news because good news isn't news. Only fake news has become news now. He addresses a lot of things in this piece. The piece is worth your time. It's, again, it's short, it's sweet, it's not overly long. The decrease in international poverty, the massive breakthroughs in medical science, the advent of technology, productivity, and artificial intelligence. But one of the things I want to bring up, there's a portion of the piece I want to talk about because... This is sadly one of those evergreen stupid topics that still comes up with doomsdayers. And when I say new, I mean liberals out there who want to claim like we're destroying the world, we're destroying the planet. It, it drives me crazy. And it all started with Ehrlich and Malthus and the population bomb people. The storyline liberals still like to propagate is this, Joe. The world is grossly overpopulated. We're all going to starve to death nah. because there's simply not enough resources for anyone. We're all going to die. You've heard it a million times. Oh, yes. The world is not overpopulated, okay? I read a statistic once that every single person on earth could fit in the state of Texas with the equivalent floor space of a European apartment and the whole rest of the world would be left abandoned. We are not overpopulated. So throw that stupidity out the window. But on the second part of that, that we're all going to die because there's not enough food. 
Matt Ridley addresses this in his spectator piece, again, up in the show notes. This is a great point. Take this one and stick it in your mental bank. Quote, efficiencies in agriculture mean the world is now approaching peak farmland despite the growing number of people and their demand for more and better food. The productivity of agriculture is rising so fast, folks, that human needs can be supplied by a shrinking, shrinking amount of land. In 2012, this guy, I'm not going to pronounce his name, from this university and his colleagues, this guy from Rockefeller University, argued that thanks to modern technology, we use 65% less land to produce a given quantity of food compared with 50 years ago. By 2050, it's estimated that an area the size of India, India, will have been released from the plow and the cow. It goes on. Land sparing is the reason forests are expanding, especially in rich countries. In 2016, this researcher, Isabel, I may have said his name wrong, worked out that no reasonably wealthy country had a falling stock of forest in terms of both tree density and acreage. Large animals are returning to it, abundant in rich countries. Populations of wolves, deer, beaver, lynx, seals, seagulls, and bald eagles are all increasing. And now even tiger numbers are slowly climbing back. Folks, this is all thanks to human ingenuity, free enterprise, and capitalism. Don't ever forget money left in the hands of a free people when it's spent and earned and earned and spent by them. Both cost and quality matter. The greatest line ever by Milton Friedman. When the government spends money and takes other people's money and spends it on other people, neither cost nor quality matter. It's not their money. The government's taking it from other people. So it doesn't matter what they spend it on because they're not even buying anything for themselves. Cost doesn't matter of the products they're buying. They're not buying anything for themselves or buying it for other people. Quality doesn't matter because it's not their product either. When you spend your own money, the cost of what you buy matters and the quality of what you're buying matters too because it's your product. When you get government out of the way and you allow people to very specifically use the fruits of their own labor to invest in the lives of themselves and their families and their businesses, this is what you get. 65% less farmland despite a growing population. Smile a little bit. We live in the most prosperous decade we have seen in human history. Not everything is dour, bad news all the time, despite the liberal doomsdayers. We're all going to die. Climate change, overpopulation. Our species are being eradicated at a record rate. Yeah, really? You have no data to back that up. You have a bunch of dopey talking points, what you have. All right. Now, sorry to leave you with a little bit of the bad news. That's the good news. That's the good news portion of the show. On the bad news front of the show, a story I've been covering rather intensely here. Washington Examiner has this. I'm actually glad I brought this up because, I, folks, your antenna need to go up on this. This is very serious. I've been talking to you often about what's going on in Virginia. Remember the liberal governor of Virginia, the guy who either appeared in the blackface or the Ku Klux Klan hat? We don't know which one equally disturbing either way. Yeah, Ralph Northam. Right. Uh, well, he's calling for an 18-person gun ban task force. This, this is a real story. Washington Examiner by the great Paul Bedard, friend of mine who I love. Be up in the show notes again today. Please check it out. Folks, Virginia is becoming ground zero for the battle for self-protection freedom in the Second Amendment, because that's what it is. This new liberal governor, uh, well, not new, but this liberal governor, in conjunction with the electoral-based changes in Virginia, which is going blue quickly, sadly, because a lot of portions of Virginia are heavily conservative, has decided to go full anti-Second Amendment. There's talk of gun bans, gun confiscation. People think this is a joke. Now, in a response to that, a lot of liberty-loving Virginians and their local law enforcement have said, ah, double-barrel middle finger, we're not exactly going to go and confiscate people's guns. As a matter of fact, Joe, we are going to declare, what is it, 80-plus of our counties in Virginia, yeah. Second Amendment sanctuaries, meaning you'll actually have the right to defend yourself here, which, of course, has really ticked off the liberals in Virginia who would love nothing more than to confiscate the guns of patriotic, freedom-loving American citizens. So in response to that, there have actually been legislators in Virginia calling about using the, calling for the use of the National Guard. Ladies and gentlemen, do you realize what a catastrophe this would be? Oh, goodness. Mm. Oh, goodness is right. I, as I've said before, it's not the way you think. 
Listen, I've heard, this is not going to... Mm. I'm not suggesting that there's going to be shootouts at people's front door. Nice. Some of you misinterpreted that when I brought up last time. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm suggesting to you that the National Guard, folks, their role is not to be rank and file law enforcement officers. It's not what the National Guard does. You're going to go house to house. Do you understand the, the cases of mistaken identity you can have and the danger you're putting people in? What are you going to do? Start knocking down people's front doors? So now in response to that, the governor's proposing this task force. It's an 18-member, $4.5 million funded gun ban task force, supposedly composed of law enforcement officers. Again, ladies and gentlemen, what's their job? Folks, as I've told you before, they are creating a very dangerous situation. There is absolutely no need to put law enforcement officers or National Guardsmen on the front line of a fight that doesn't exist. You have law-abiding, patriotic firearm owners who have done nothing wrong, simply own their weapons for whatever it may be, for hunting, for sport, for self-defense. That's their choice. I don't question them. They have the right to defend themselves. It's a free country. And you're going to insert on a front line of a fictitious fight to start, a, a, what, what are you trying to do? Start some kind of conflict here? Folks, the Second Amendment matters. It has always mattered. And the fact that these guys in Virginia and these women over there, these liberals in Virginia don't get it. I want to say one last time, I said in a piece the other day, and I'll say it again. I know Virginia well. So does Joe. I lived up in that area in Maryland. And folks, they are not asking. Virginians are not asking for their big R God-given rights to defend themselves. I don't know what you're not getting in the Capitol there in Virginia. What part of this are you missing? They are not asking. This consent of the governed thing seems to have escaped Ralph Northam and the liberals in the Virginia Senate and House. They are not asking. You are starting a fight you don't want to start that is entirely unnecessary. These people have done nothing wrong. They are not asking for their Second Amendment rights. Those are theirs, not yours. Folks, this is going to be... Virginia is getting, the story's growing bigger by the day. I'm going to stay on top of this. A lot of people have been emailing me about it. The Virginia story, I get it. I'm reading your emails. I promise you I'm going to stay on top of it. I just can't talk about it every day only because there's so much else going on between Spygate, the impeachment fiasco, the, now the, uh, the killing of Suleimani. There's just the news cycle so fast. So forgive me, but I will be on top of it. Don't you worry at all. All right, folks, thanks a lot for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Please don't miss my interview. It's going to be a good one. With former mayor of New York, Rudy Giuliani. Again, we will put it out on our YouTube channel tomorrow, Saturday, youtube.com slash Bongino. Also available on our audio podcast show, available at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeart, and elsewhere. And thanks again to 790KBC. If you're listening now on the air, it's really good to join you on your radio for the first time. This was show number two. We'll be on at 6 p.m. Pacific time out there. We really appreciate uh, your support of the show. Have a great weekend, folks. Don't forget the Giuliani interview. I'll see you all on Monday. Good day, sir. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud and follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.